Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy 2. Verse 1, when you have it, say amen. My subject this morning is moving forward. It's time to move. And this is not going to take very long, but I want to preach to some people and I want to preach to this house. And this word was quickened to me in my spirit. May the Lord let it settle into your spirit today. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Pardon me, chapter two, verse one. If you got it, say amen. amen. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea as the Lord spoke to me. And we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Let me keep going here. And command the people saying, you are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Verse five, do not meddle with them. For I will not give you any of their land, no, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. Lord, help us to move today. In the mighty holy name of Jesus, who is the son of the living God, and the family said amen. amen. Can be seated. Exodus 12 through 40 is a record of, if you ever want to know what the first year in the wilderness looked like, go open your Bible one day to the book of Exodus, the 12th chapter, for the next 28 chapters, all the way through chapter 40 you will find the first year of wilderness wandering recorded in the Bible. That 28 chapter um, section of Exodus is the record of the first year in the wilderness. And what I have read to you today from Deuteronomy chapter two on through the end of Deuteronomy is the last year in the wilderness. And what we know for a fact is that for just over 38 years, Israel had been in the wilderness. And there were many reasons that they were in the wilderness that long, and I don't want to preach all of those to you. Number one, I, I, I'll just kind of highlight them and raise them for your consideration because I think all of them are pertinent and germane to where we are in our journey, the, the first reason that they waited that long is because there was too much unbelief in the camp. And God said, I'm going to make sure that unbelief is purged from the camp. It took 38 years for God to get rid of the unbelief in that generation. And the Bible says something very dramatic. It says they died in the wilderness. I want you to know right now that God loves you and God's got a plan for your life and God wants you to become everything he called you to be and he wants you to take promised land. But, but I want you to know there's a serious penalty for unbelief. 
Unbelief and doubt, I don't have time to go into it way deep, but let me just suggest to you that unbelief and doubt are not the same. All of us at times face doubts. Amen? Even the most spiritual among us in this room, your pastor himself at times has faced doubts. Doubts are not unbelief. Doubts are invitation to deepen your faith. When you have a thought that crosses your mind that makes you doubt God, if you accept the doubt, then the doubt can turn into unbelief. But if when the doubt comes, you say, devil, you're a liar. I've made my mind up and I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed. See, that deepens your faith. When doubts come into your heart and your life, maybe you've stood at the side of, of a loved one and they died prematurely and your, your faith was shaken a bit and the devil said, see, God don't love you. God can't heal. God ain't real. If God was good, why did your loved one or your friend die? Uh, those doubts come to all of us and when those doubts come, they're an invitation to either accept the doubt and, and, and change our opinion of God or to say, you know what, I've made up my mind that even though I don't always understand his ways, I trust that his ways are perfect. Come on, like Job, I don't understand why this is happening to me, but though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And when I have been tried, I shall come forth as pure gold. I'm thankful today that even when I had questions, he was still God and big enough to deal with my questions. And you say, Pastor, you should never have questions. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus had questions. He's hanging on the cross and, he's, and, and, and he says, why hast thou forsaken me? There were things that Jesus went through, feelings that he had in his flesh that caused him to question. But at the end of the day, he decided, I'm going to keep my faith. I'm going to keep my confidence in God. And when he almost felt like giving up, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thou. Can anybody testify that if you'll just set your heart on God. You don't have to get poisoned with unbelief. You don't have to miss miracles just because you went through a mess. How many are thankful that when you went through the mess and kept your faith in God, God kept on blessing you. He kept his hand on your life. He kept on showing you his mercy. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? If you ever get poisoned with unbelief, unbelief isn't just something that we should sympathize with. Unbelief is something that is a threat to your future. And God called it a threat so much that he waited until those who were full of unbelief died in the wilderness. He refused to let them enter into the promised land with the unbelief. The other reason that they went through the wilderness for 38 plus years, almost 40 years exactly, it is because there was a process happening in them. And, and sometimes God will work even through your own misdirection, even through your own bad decisions. Aren't you thankful God can work when you and I have made wrong turns? Y'all better be glad about this. Uh, I, I'm thankful God will work even in all that I did to screw up my future. His ways are still being accomplished. And I think we ought to praise God every now and then for that GPS system that, that watched us made the wrong turn and it, that voice came and said, uh, you need to make a U-turn. Anybody glad for U-turns? Maybe 2022 was a year of wrong choices for somebody. Hey, it's 2023 and I just want to release over you right now that the God we serve is a God that give you a U-turn opportunity. 
You, you, you may have missed some opportunities, but can I just tell you and, and prophetically declare over you that God's grace is gonna help you make a U-turn and seize the time that you lost and you're gonna get back, I believe in Jesus' name, you're gonna get back to a place where you can say, I'm walking in the perfect will of God in my life. But the, I think the biggest reason that they stayed in the wilderness for 38 years is they got used to it. just become part of their identity. And this is interesting because there are two places where departure language is used. One is in the book of Exodus, the 12th chapter, and the other one's here in Deuteronomy chapter two. In Exodus chapter 12, when God is bringing them out of Egypt, he's delivering them from a mentality. You have been a slave for 400 years and it wasn't just you, it was your mama, your daddy, your grandma, your grandpa, your great-grandma, your great-grandpa, your great-great-grandma, your great-great-grandpa. After 400 years of slavery, you begin to pass on a mentality of slavery. They were in slavery for 400 years. And now you have this mentality of slavery that has come on the people of God. And God said, I'm gonna bring you out of that slavery. And, and, and the old preachers, and they preached it rightfully so, they, they said it took God just a few days to bring Israel out of Egypt, but it took them 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. Because when you've been in Israel that, when Israel's been in Egypt that long, you start thinking, I am a possession rather than a possessor. Look at somebody, tell them, you are not a possession of the enemy. I don't care how long you smoked dope and snorted crack and how many people you slept with and I don't care how long you have a track record of failure, you are not, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. I don't want you to run around your whole life thinking I serve the devil more days than I serve God. I'm telling you, if you serve God one day and it was your last day, then you will never be, you will never be a possession of the kingdom of darkness again. Keep your faith in Jesus Christ. You are not the possession of the enemy. You are a possessor of promised places. And the first place where we hear this departure language is in Exodus chapter 12 when God says, I'm gonna bring you out of Egypt. I'm gonna deliver you from what had you bound. I'm gonna set you free from what thought it owned you. And I'm gonna do it with the blood of the Passover lamb. And when I, put, when I give you this lamb, I want you to take this lamb, cut it, and put it the, the blood of the lamb on your doorpost. And when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over. And we always shout about passing over, and we rarely shout about God slaying the firstborn of Egypt. But if God would have just passed over everybody, then the firstborn of Egypt, who would be the future oppressors of Egypt, and thus the future slave owners of Israel, don't miss this. When God slayed the firstborn of Egypt, he was officially announcing to Israel everything in your future that entitled itself to have ownership of you, I'm killing because of the blood. In other words, there won't be another Egyptian that rises up to claim ownership of your life. You will never be a slave of Egypt again. Not only am I getting rid of your mama's devil, I'm getting rid of all of your devils. Hallelujah! How many know the blood didn't just cut off your mama's devil? The blood cut off your devil. It cut off your granny's devil. It cut. How many are thankful that the blood made the devil pass over? It has to pass over in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that when they came out, there was 
The wealth of Egypt, I don't have time, but the wealth of Egypt was laid upon them. And they left Egypt and they left this slavery. But sometimes when you leave the place of slavery, it's hard to leave the posture of slavery. And they're no longer in Egypt, but they feel like slaves. And the wilderness becomes their home. And it really is just a few day trip. But they stayed 38 days. And there comes this point in their journey after 38 years, a little over 38 years of slavery, pardon me, of, of wilderness living. They are not slaves, but they are still thinking they are. And after 38 years of it, God says, Moses, I'm tired of y'all walking around in this same circle. It's time to go north. That's the sermon. <laughs> Happy 2023. God sent me to tell somebody like he told Moses to tell Israel, I'm called today to, set, to tell you. You've been walking around the same circle for too long. If you're not careful, that circle becomes a pattern. That pattern becomes a mentality. That mentality becomes an expectation. And you just keep, you're not dying and you're not dead, you're just not possessing. Christians are not saved just to sit, soak, and sour till they go to heaven. Christians are saved to become possessors. So what promised land are you inhabiting? Uh, but you don't know what happened to me in 20, I know what happened to people in 2022. 2022 was horrible for some people in this room. But are you gonna spend another year walking around that same struggle? Or is this not the time to hear the word of the Lord and to say, it's time to move northward. There's a story told, and y'all know this story, about the dog that they put a chain on. And the dog would see all of the kids coming by, and he would run out after the kid only to experience the kids, only to experience the chain pull on his neck. And everywhere that dog's chain would allow him to go. That was a wore out spot. It had been walked on, it had been trampled on. That dog had gotten a whole lot of mileage on that ground, but it was, it was clearly defined on the grass where the dog could reach because the chain kept him and you could see where his limitations were. Till one day, the chain broke and the kids come running by. And the dog sat there and watched the kids run by and never got up and ran after the kids, although he could, because in his mind, he was still chained. And there are some people in this room today, the enemy had you chained for so long that now that you are free, you don't know how to experience or express your freedom. And what happens when you begin to feel chained and even though you're not as bound as the devil tells you you are, you will find those limitations and stay in your little circle. I'm not gonna break out of this. 
I'm not going to break out of this model. I'm not going to break out of this bondage. I'm not going to break my family into another level of living. I'm not, I can't because this is my, this little thing here is mine. And God is saying, I broke the chain. It's time to move. There are people sitting in church who have potential that will never be reached, not because God would not release the grace for that potential to be realized, but because they are convinced that the life they're living is the greatest level of living they will ever have. I came to tell you it's time to move. Well, I've been in this. You don't understand, Pastor. I've been in this for 15 years. I've been stuck for 10 years. Can I tell you that there is a perfect picture of what I'm talking about with these Israelite people in the Old Testament over in the New? Say 38 years. 38 years they had been wandering around the same circle, making a lot of activity but getting nowhere. Isn't that the definition of religion? A lot of movement but no progress. And there's a point where God says, look, you wore this place out and you've got nowhere. It's actually time to go take possession of what I promised you. Over in the New Testament, in the Gospel of St. John, the fifth chapter, there's a place called the Pool of Bethesda. Had the privilege of going there a couple of days ago when I was in Israel. And when we went there, one of my pastor buddies taught a little, a little sermon, a little homily at the Pool of Bethesda about the man who was stuck there for 38 years years. Oh Lord, don't miss this. It was a prophetic capsule of the journey of Israel. How they got stuck in that place. And don't let, listen, don't let the enemy fool you. God will actually take care of you while you are in the wilderness. We often shout about the manna of the wilderness, Fitch, but we don't recognize that the manna was never intended to be the substance that sustained the people. Don't miss this. There was a day when God said, no more manna. Oh, shout over the manna. No, the manna is just supposed to get you from Egypt to the promised land. But there comes a moment where you don't need a miracle to survive called manna. You actually need a kingdom strategy to till a field and sow a seed and reap a harvest and live in abundance. Thank God for manna, but some of you are frustrated because the manna God gave you in one season isn't showing up in the, on the ground every morning anymore. And now you're thinking God don't love me anymore. It it's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that God is not through, that God doesn't have a future for you or that God is through with your life. It is that God is tired of you waiting on manna to show up when he gave you a strategy to possess a land that is not flowing with manna. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. And at some point, manna has got to get old and you got to start saying, I'm going to the promised land. So 38 years, I'm closing here somewhere, uh, 38 years, Israel is on the brink and the edge, but they don't go in. 38 years, fast forward, John chapter five, Pula Bethesda, a man is a paralytic. He cannot move himself. And Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda and it's a place that has five porches. Five is the number of grace. This is a picture of the church if you ask me because a pool is a, a place of refreshing and, the, and it was near the sheep gate. Everyone say, bah. And these are sheep and this is a place where the blind, the impotent, those that, are, that, are, that got issues showed up. How many know the church is not a mausoleum of righteous, perfect people? It's a hospital for screwed up people who need God. Come on, somebody. That's where he's at. He's at the pool of Bethesda. And the Bible says that Jesus comes and he asks him a question. Wilt thou be made whole? 
This man has been there 38 years. It is a prophetic capsule and a picture of what Israel did. Oh, but don't get mad at the man. And before you find too much fault with Israel, I dare you to take inventory of your own life. Because just like Israel and just like the man at the pool of Bethesda, sometimes if we take real inventory of our life, we will come to the painful conclusion that our future has been in our hand the entire time. God has already broke the chain and set us free from Egypt. God has already broke the chain and set us free from the kingdom of darkness. God has already showed up and said, do you want to be made whole? And instead of moving forward, we'd rather circle Mount Seir one more time, talk about it one more year, blame God, get all mad at God. And God is saying, crazy, I done set you free. And I told you I got a land flowing with milk and honey. And yes, there are giants, but greater is he that is in you than the one. Slap somebody, tell him it's time to move. It's do you want to be made whole? Do you want to go into your purpose? Do you want to go into your future? Well, you don't know who don't like me. When did God ever give your haters more power than he has over your life? Stop complaining about who don't like you and watch God prepare a table before you. Even in the presence of your enemy, slap somebody and tell them it's time to move. I came to provoke, I gotta go here, but I came to provoke somebody to a promise God made you and the enemy got you to quit believing in it and flesh and life and the journey has gotten you sour and you got a little jaded and you've gotten a little bitter and you've gotten a little mad and you've got an attitude and you run around hating people and mad at everybody because you're not in your promised land. I've come to tell you, you have circled Mount Seir for the very last time. It is time to move north. God is not going to watch you waste one more year in a place you've already been delivered from. I feel a shout coming up out of my belly right now. Somebody is getting ready to make a move. Slap three people, tell them, make a move, make a move, make a move. God, we gotta go, but I'm telling you, somebody means make a move for your marriage. Make a move for your business. Make a move for your children. Make a move for yourself. Quit hating on yourself. Quit destroying your own life. Look yourself in the mirror and say, I have wasted my last day at the foot of this mountain. It's time. Oh, it's time to move. I gotta move for my babies. I gotta move for my neighborhood. I gotta move for my people. I gotta move for my family name. I gotta make a move. Heaven is waiting on me to move and I'm not gonna miss it one more time. Make a move. And so, let me give you this little clue here. I'm gonna be trying to get out your hair or your weave or your extensions or your two, whatever it is, I'm getting out. But before he, before they moved, he looked at them, Keelan, and he said, you're getting ready to pass through Mount Seir. Go read the entire second chapter of Deuteronomy later today. Three or four times he tells them, don't pick a fight with that. That, I'm getting ready to set some people free in this room. He said, don't go pick a fight with them. That ain't your battle. And I found something out. If the devil cannot keep you out of the promised land, 
he will try to present you with unnecessary battles and get you tangled up. I'm getting ready to preach until somebody gets delivered from a social media fighting spirit. Oh my God, you got, you don't have to correct everybody on Facebook. They don't even know where you live. They don't even know your name and you got some little bot name and ain't even got the intestinal fortitude to talk about it under your real name. You need to get delivered from a fighting spirit. God didn't call you to correct everybody. God called you to cut the bait and get away from that mountain and run to your promised land. I don't have time to argue with fools. I don't have time to argue with people that are a distraction. Slap somebody, tell them that ain't your fight. Uh huh. If you don't get nothing else for 2023, grab this one. You are not going to waste any more time fighting against things God did not assign you to. You will now, I'm getting ready to preach here. You will never get victory by fighting in the flesh. But if you will stay in the Holy Ghost, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness and high places. Slap somebody, tell them that ain't your fight. That ain't your fight. That ain't your fight. Quit wasting time on fighting things you were never promised victory over. In 2023, I'm only picking fights with enemy God told me I would overcome. Rewind, Wallace. In 2023, we are only picking fights with enemies he promised us the victory over. Why? Because I will never come off the battlefield defeated by an enemy if God already told me I gave them into your hand. Some of y'all are you're fighting stuff you didn't have victory over. But anything that attacked your child, you got victory over. Anything that attacked your house, you got the victory over. Anything that attacked your faith, you got the victory over. So why don't you keep your nose out of everybody else's business and pull your sword out and tell the devil, if you mess with my children one more day, I'll cut your head off. Yeah, I'll cut your head off. If you put your hands on my wife one more time devil I will I'll draw my sword if it's a fight you want I feel the Holy Ghost if it's a fight you want it's a fight you got slap somebody tell your neighbor it's a year of victory it's a year of victory because I got a promise everything is gonna be all right I got a promise my family's gonna make it my house is gonna be blessed slap three people tell them this is the fight we've been given the promise of victory for Thank you, Holy Ghost. You have spent too much time at the base of this mountain. Stand with me. At the foot of this mountain, you've wasted too much time circling this mountain. It's time to move. Handa Basha Tohu Amakasaya. Thank you, sweet Holy Ghost.
I want you to hear me. God is about to give you new marching orders. Gone from this moment forward are the wasted days of circling land. You've been circling all these years. 15 years, y'all been so mad at each other in your marriage. You're getting madder and madder. <laughs> People start leaving when you start talking like this. <laughs> Mabel just looked at Ben and said, get your stuff, we're leaving. He's about to start meddling. <laughs> but hear me, hear me. This is the year y'all stop circling Mount Seir. It's time to move north. You need to get joy back in your house. You need to get love back in your bedroom. Sister, you need to go buy a new gown. I'm meddling, but I'm anointed. You need to go buy a new gown. Brothers, you need to go buy some roses. Y'all, he lost the anointing. No, I'm reading your mail and you know it. Needs to be some joy back in that house. Y'all been fighting around that same mountain for 15 years. Forgive one another and let it go. Life is too short to hold grudges. Not going back, I'm moving ahead. I'm here to declare to you my past is over in you. Oh, things are made new. We surrendered our lives to Christ. We're moving, moving. Take your neighbor by the hand and let's say, let's do this before we forward. Come on, pray over them right now. God, let them, get, let them get moving again. Some of them have gotten paralyzed like that man at the pool of Bethesda. Will you be made whole? I have no man. I have no man. I have no man. That's what some of y'all been saying for all these years. I have no man. Nobody's looking at me. Nobody paying attention to me. Nobody, nobody's promoting me. Nobody's for me. And God sent me to tell you today, the chains have been broke. You are not waiting on a man. God is waiting on you to make a move. It's time for your mind to be renewed right now by the power of God. It's time for your mind to be renewed by the power of God. Move, 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 move. Make a move, make a move. It's 2023. Make a move. You, you lived, you outlived it. You outlived it. You, you lasted longer than the disaster. It's time to make a move. Let me say something over this house while you're standing, and I hope you're staying for just another minute. This house is moving forward. It's moving forward. I want to make sure everybody understands something going forward. The room will be right. God is going to get people in alignment and in agreement. I, I honestly, I feel like there's some people, it's a spirit of skepticism. You're checking things out 
and you're actually full of more doubt than you are faith. I have felt it at times. I'm not mad about it. I'm not kicking anybody out. I'm telling you because we're all going to stay, we're all going to another level. God's about to renew your mind. God's about to take you deeper. And some of you are about to get a prayer life. And I'm not talking about that seven minutes of prayer a week. Lord, don't let this prophet make everybody mad. But I feel this prophet thing getting on me right now. If you have the focus for 45 minutes of TikTok a day, you can develop the focus to spend time with Yahweh. There has got to be a crushing of the idol of social media. And I'm going to tell you, the crushing of the idol of your phone. That's tough, ain't it? But there's a reason why the corporate power in the church is waning and, and, and being drained. We are spending more time with the world than we are with the master. It's changing this year. And I'm telling you right now, the excuse of prayer is difficult got broken off of us last night. There was a grace release, and I'm telling you, I watched young people, your teenage sons and daughters pray for hours last night. There will come a time when you really strike prayer in the right way where you stop saying, I don't know how to pray 30 minutes. And you look at 30 minutes and say, God, I got so much more to say. Can you give me some more? You're going to have to wake up earlier to accomplish your prayer goals. This is a year where we're getting grown up in prayer. And I'm going to tell you this, the higher you go, the harder it is to breathe. And some people, Devin and I, we went to Colorado a few years ago. We went skiing. Lord, pray for your pastor. I killed myself up there on them double blue slopes, bunny slopes. All these kids zipping by me. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, binding kids. Shandara Masaya, you will not kill me prematurely. I will not trip over you in the name of the Lord. But there was a, there was a, a moment where Devin and I got on a, a chair lift, this lift that takes you up, and it, we got on the wrong lift. And I thought I was getting on a double green and it took me to a black. If you ain't ever been on a black diamond, you ain't skied before and you don't have a prayer life till you get dropped off on top of a black diamond hill. And I got up there and I said, how do you get down? Where is the chair that takes you down? He said, there are no chairs that go down. I said, hold on a minute. And Devin looked at me, she said, there's only one way down. I said, I will pray until God sends an angel. The true story. Here's what I noticed. There was a lot of people on the bunny slopes, a lot of people on the blues, and a lot of people on the greens, but the higher you go, the harder it is to breathe, and the less people travel. And here's what I wanna tell you. God is taking this house into deeper places. I will not miss divine appointments in 2023 because I'm concerned about people who carry more flesh than they do glory. It is a year for us to mature. Touch your neighbor, tell them this is an invitation to go higher in Jesus than you've ever been before. I will declare to you now prophetically that he will show you things you've never seen, speak to you promises you've never heard, reveal to you things from the word of God that you've never read. It's coming to you in 2023. I do not know if you will get a new house, a new watch, a new car, but you will get a new mind and you will get a new perspective and you will get a fresh joy. And I think we'll all be better off because of it. Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. 
And I believe today somebody is watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv, and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team want to pray for you. We want to make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. The best days of your life are still ahead of you, and we're praying for you today. God bless. I look forward to seeing you next week right here.